Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I want to talk to you about the soul. The soul, the soul, everybody say soul. soul. That's not convincing enough. You've got to say soul. soul. Okay, let's get the Afro-American in you. We're going to say soul. Can you give me a soul this morning? Okay, that's good. Okay. So we're going to talk about the soul, the personality, the part of who you are. It's a really important message because we created spirit. We also created soul. In our soul, there's emotions, there's intellect, and there's your determining factor, your will. You decide things. You the rationale. It's all very important. I'm going to talk about soul connection, spiritual connections, soulish connections. Okay, very important message. Very important message. We become like the people with whom we associate. You've heard that. And uh, my mother used to say to me, you know, don't forget, Jonathan, birds of a feather flock together. And, uh, but it's true, you become like the people with whom you associate with. So we're going to have a look at uh, this message here today. And uh, I'm going to define it. It's like an emotional attachment. And uh, it defined, it's defined, a soul tie is defined as a knitting together of two people. Two souls formed between two people, the emotional bonding of one person's emotions tied into another person's emotions, either good or bad. It could be positive, it could be destructive, nonetheless, it's a reality. And our relationships uh, evolve, relationships, every relationship you have will take you on a journey. Every relationship you connect with and soul tie yourself has a destination about it to some degree. In John 3, uh, 6, which is our leading scripture this morning, it says this, and he writes this, John 3, 6, whatever is flesh, or another one says, whatever is born of flesh, okay? So whatever has been defined or categorized as flesh, that's the natural person or the natural realm, the carnal nature is flesh, Okay, so the flesh can't be spiritual. Can't be. Uh, we have to kill the flesh. We have to get rid of it. I think it was James or somebody said the other day, when you marry somebody, you're marrying somebody that's going to help kill your flesh. You know that, eh? And we kind of think that marriage is about a utopia experience where we're going to be served the rest of our days and stuff. It's not quite like that. It's like a sandpaper ministry. It's the closest thing marriage is to heaven or hell on earth. There really is. And, uh, and, and of course, if you live by godly principles, not only does the relationship endure, but there's a lot of peace, there's a lot of joy, there's a lot of satisfaction within the confines of that institution marriage. And, uh, but if we do it God's way, we get God's reward, His blessing. We do things uh, the natural way or the carnal way or the sinful way, then the Bible says uh, this, it says there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. It says the, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the scripture in John says this, whatever is of flesh is flesh, but whatever is of spirit is spirit. The Bible says the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit adds life. So this morning you were in the praise and worship service and your spirit would resonate with the words. It's like an experience. It's like something's happening on the inside. You've been prompted in God. Where there's a praise and when there's a worship towards the Lord, there's a gathering of angelic hosts, the Bible says, and it's kind of like something within you leaps out. Remember John the Baptist? Remember he came and he leaped in, a, in the womb. He leaped 
And where the presence of the Lord was there, he leaped. But when we're shut down emotionally, there's nothing going on in our town. It's a little bit like vacant town or there's nothing happening there. It's because we've shut down the Spirit of God. Now, if you're a born-again Christian, that proposes a big problem or a big issue. Because what it means is, is as a Christian or a believer, there's no line towards God. There's nothing happening. It becomes intellectual. We have knowledge, understanding of God, but there's nothing happening. You need the Holy Spirit with inside you alive, not shut down, not blocked, not hindered, not grieved, like a hose that gets climped. You want that thing flowing so the kingdom of God, God's Holy Spirit presence comes right into your spirit now. It begins to bring life and bring joy, and bring strength, and energizes you, and gives you what the Bible refers to as the dynamo power. You have energy to pray. You have energy to read the Bible. You want to praise God. You want to worship Him. Amen? Okay, so now that we've sort of defined that a little bit, and we'll kind of like define it a little bit more as we go along, you'll see, you can have a soulish and emotional connection to a city. All right, so I'm going to break it down for us. Or you could have it to a town. You could have it to a nation. There's a longing for that nation. There's a longing to go back home. There's a longing to go and be part of that island. People say, you're mad. You're crazy. There's only four people living there. But nonetheless, there's a longing. And we've got to understand there is a connection between people, land, and the realm of the Spirit. They're all tied tight in. All you have to do is take land away from people. Watch the reaction. Wars are fought over land. Families are divided at times over land or globally. The realm of the Spirit is connected into land issues. People are connected. The mourning that can go on there is incredible. Okay, so we look at Lot's wife. The word of the Lord came through the uh, angel of the Lord in Genesis 19:26 and said judgment is coming upon this particular land across the Jordan there on a place called Sodom and a place called Gomorrah. You will know this place, but you need to get out. Lot, you need to grab your wife, grab your kids and family members and you need to scram. We're not gonna judge it until you're out of here. The Bible says that the Lord uh, rained fire and brimstone from the heavenlies and literally massacred and destroyed destroyed that whole area but they were given only one instruction and this was it I don't want you to look back go this way do not look back I'm going to judge it behind you I want you to run up in the mountains and go you and then the angel actually said you need to hurry you need to hurry but they weren't going to bring the disaster or the judgment until they're gone but there was an economy, there was a, a time when God had to do that, it was going to do it, and there's a whole theological teaching behind that. When you understand it, it makes actually a lot of sense. But it reminds me of the scripture that Jesus in Luke 9, uh, three, uh, 62, I think it is, it says, no one who puts their hand to the plow, talking about salvation, but looks back is fit for the kingdom. So what happened was Lot actually, Lot actually, she looked, uh, Lot, what Lot's wife, she looked back. The reason why she looked back, because that's her home. That's her identity. That's where she had grown up with, with Lot, if you like, or where they came into that area and began to establish themselves. And her heart was in an area that the, the, uh, the presence of God was not there, if you like, and the judgment of the Lord. And it's a great picture of Lot's wife should have gone forward, should have pushed through, but she began to look back and the judgment came upon her and she was miraculously or supernaturally changed 
and judged, and she became as a pillar of salt. There's a few pillars sitting up there today, and one is quite uh, about, about five foot 11 or five foot, and some people say, maybe that's here. I don't know. Probably not. I don't think we can get too spiritual about these things. It could be. Uh, but the, nonetheless, there's a judgment on that. But we've got to understand it's a bit like Demas was on a mission tour. Gus talked about a mission tour into some of the eastern countries. Well, Paul the Apostle led missions all through Asia. At one point, the Bible says the whole of Asia heard the gospel. And there he is preaching and ministering, and he says this, Demas has forsaken me. Demas has left me, and he has gone into the world. Or really, he's gone back into the world. In other words, the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. There was so much attraction to the spirit of the old old age, if you like, or the world, if you like, with its allurements and its traction and seduction, that he couldn't stand uh, being with Paul anymore, and he had to go back into the world. It's amazing. It's quite incredible. If you look back, the Bible says, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You see, I I think it's like this. We've got to understand, I was thinking about this this morning, yesterday, the enormity of what Jesus Christ has done for planet earth. God has basically come and died for us died for us, Jesus Christ. And when we look back, when we look at His glory and His splendor and every eye, every eye that sees, every tongue that confesses, every knee will bow before the Lord for the glory of God, it says this. He has done an enormous price for us or paid it, died, beaten, actually was tortured to death is what they say. He was murdered. Yet, yet, we look back into another attraction. I guess it's like adultery. Having a beautiful wife that put her faith in you. My goodness, she put all her faith in you. She could have married somebody else, but she chose you. She, she trusted you. And then you said, I will and I do. And everybody was all happy. Five years later, you're in the bed with somebody else. It breaks the heart of a woman. It also breaks the heart of a, of a man. It's called adultery. And sometimes we get into the things of the world and it's like, it's a sense, what we call a spiritual adultery. Very important message, a sober mining message, but that's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. Not a big deal to us sometimes because we're in it. And emotions dictate to us at times. So we become blinded. But let me go on. Sometimes there can be attachments to land. If God causes you to leave a country and go into another land, you actually almost have to cut the ties with it. I've had to cut the ties with New Zealand. I'll just let you know that. I've actually cut the ties with New Zealand. I might never ever go back there. I'll go for conferences. But that might, that's it. And uh, oh no, I live here. I'm part of you guys. So you better love me or what? <laughs> better adopt me into the, the circle of trust. And, uh, but you know, the thing is though, I've, I've actually, I've, unless God was able to, in his wisdom, in many years to take me back and do something over there, I don't have the longing. You got to understand, I don't have the longing. Okay? So we, we press on, the Bible says. Forgetting those things that are behind us, we press on. Okay. Important for us. So let's go on for this. Then the next area is... Um, All right, uh, a husband and a wife. In Ephesians 5.31, what does that scripture say, love? Have you got it there? For this reason, a man, everybody say man, Man. shall leave his father father. (laughs) and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now, that is a spiritual law. Now, I'm going to throw some deep meat out here this morning. Chuck it out for you, okay? All right. You ready for this? 
for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. That's the only reason. When kids leave home, that's the only reason is to marriage. Now, I'm going to qualify this. You need to read my lips super, super clearly. Put those glasses on or something, but read them because I'm going to qualify what I'm going to say. I'll give you an example. Okay. If your kids, like a lot of our kids have gone to New Zealand to do university, that's fine. Or to uh, do sporting careers, that's all good. To do uh, educational things, that's no problem at all. Or to get a job, no problem. It's not what I'm talking about, and it's not what Paul's talking about. It's when you leave under the covering of your father and mother in rebellion. Do you know what's going to happen? You will cleave. So one of my kids could be in the home in rebellion. They have left the authority of Jonathan and Natasha. They've left our authority. They may be still geographically in the house. They're unsubmitted. Or they may be living in New Zealand and still submitted. It's got nothing to do with geography. It's to do with the heart of submission. The only reason that you actually leave your parents in terms of out from under their authority is because of marriage. Now, here's the down part of this. What happens if you leave, you're living in the home, and when our kids are living in our house, they're in rebellion, I tell you what's going to happen, immorality, just like that. It's a chemistry. It's a spiritual law. The next thing, watch, you, you trail rebellion, you trail it where there's a dishonor towards parents, and you will find there's always sexual immorality. It follows. It follows it. It's true. It's a principle. And have I ever seen that time after time after time? At what point do you not, uh, let's say you're a single guy and 35 years of age, you're still submitted to your parents and that sort of stuff. Well, it gets a little bit technical. No, because you're your own man. There's an age where the Bible talks about 20 and 21 years of age in Judaism culture where you actually are are governing your own life. You're setting your own pace and stuff. But it is a principle. You look at a 14-year-old and a 13 and 14, 15, 16, that they are opposed to their parents. They're resistant to their parents' authority. They've lost honor and respect. And I tell you, pornography, it'll kick in or immorality, it will kick in. It's a natural byproduct. It's a byproduct of rebellion. Rebellion has a life. You you understand that rebellion always has a life. It has a destination. Very important principle for us. There's your deep meat. (laughs) Okay, this is very true. Okay, so when a husband and a wife do get married, the Bible says this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined. Okay, that word joined means stick like glue. That's what it means, stick like glue. It's in the original. In Greek, it means stick like glue. So in other words, you get a piece of paper, A4 paper, and you get glue, uh, you get another one, and you stick them together, bang. Wait till it dries, try and pull them apart. It's impossible. They, one piece is on the other, the other is on the other. So when we get involved with the sexual relationship outside of the confines of marriage, we understand our soul is now connected with another woman or another man. In marriage, this is, this is God. God designed it to be that way because it helps the staying power of a marriage. It helps the connection of a marriage. It helps like the, the bite, the guts, the strength. And even though you get upset with each other and you get angry at each other and get irritated and frustrated and he never does this, there's still, there's still that deep, deep, deep connection that keeps you there. And that's why divorce is so, they say, so devastating. When there's a divorce or an adultery, it's, it, they basically say this, it's the same symptoms of trauma. When we come home and we find out our partner's with somebody else and we hear the news, it's traumatic emotionally. 
a, a separation. That's why uh, Moses, they refer to it as violence. You ever hear the scripture, a, a, a divorce is like violence to the soul. It's you're breaking, you're pulling two people apart emotionally. And that's why you have a 14-year-old guy and a 14-year-old girl that engage sexually. They are bound emotionally. It screws her emotions up. It screws his emotions. And there needs to be a, a tie in the realm of the spirit that's been broken. Very, very important, uh, powerful ministry of deliverance. And that's why people still keep going back. Why do you think the lady that gets abused or the, one of the partners, she gets abused by the guy and physically beats her up and that sort of stuff? And she has, she goes away and people try and help her. And I've got, this has happened in New Zealand quite a bit and been involved with these sort of things a little bit. And, but she still keeps going back. All her friends say, you're nuts. You're nuts. She said, but there's this longing. And people try and interpret it. Say, you're looking for security. You're looking for love in the long, wrong places. No, she's got a soul tie. There's a connection. Some of the young girls and that, they have a break of a relationship. They know it's wrong, but they still dream of the person. They can't because the ties were never severed. It's all very well to say, oh, you need to leave. But the Bible says you've cleaved. You're together in the realm of the Spirit. Very hard to actually get a breakthrough in the area of pornography, in the area of immorality, sexual relationships, until the ties are supernaturally broken in God. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. You can have a soulless connection, ready for this, towards somebody and they don't even know it. So there doesn't have to be an agreement like somebody has a, a connection with a rock star or a celebrity. They've got this, they're just infatuated and love this person. But it's like, oh, I've given my soul away. Uh, Solomon says, don't give love away before it's time. And we've kind of given our affections. There's like a, a connection to that person. And they just walk past it, but it's like, wow, almost like idolatry. Or a parent with a child. That's a big one. In Genesis 4.30, it talked about Jacob and Benjamin. It says that the, his father was so bonded to, to uh, Benjamin, it was like a soul bond towards him. You can have a parent, a father or a mother, that's so bonded emotionally to a child and it's actually really unhealthy. They won't let them go. Seriously, I've seen that so many times. They just can't, the, 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 the mother will not let the daughter go. It's, and we interpret it from a psychological, but we say it's control. It is control, but there's such emotional bond there. There's such this thing that goes on, it becomes creepy. It becomes really intense. And it's like we live our lives through our kids and that, but we won't let go. That was like Benjamin. If you read it with his father, his father had a soul bond, Joshua. Jacob, should I say, getting my names all over the place. Um, okay. Now, here we're going to go on is a friendship between Ruth and Naomi. That was a good one. That was a great bond because Christ or God, the kingdom of God and the interest of the kingdom were smack bang in the middle. Having a marriage, soul tie, where Christ, great, that's how it should be between a husband and wife. That's what we've called to have, that bond there. Uh, uh, Jonathan and David, the Bible says their soul was actually knitted together, knitted together for the purposes of the kingdom. That's good. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You could say that's a spiritual relationship. But when you've got a relationship that's destructive, a relationship that's built around the flesh of the natural realm, it produces after its own kind. It, or everything produces after its own kind. And so uh, you look at back in the Scripture, well, that's why the Word of God says we should know one another uh, according to the things of the Spirit. Um, uh, Acts 4.32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed the early disciples were of one heart and one soul. 
I believe God wants us to be connected to it. So He wants us to be connected by the Spirit. He wants us to be connected together in agreement. He wants us to be connected to, uh, uh, um, uh, like uh, emotions and ties. But let me tell you, if you're connected with someone emotionally without God, it doesn't profit. It doesn't do a lot for you. It's actually destructive as we'll see. A soul tie is a strong connection in the motion, bringing a binding and bringing a bondage or bringing a binding and bringing a bold. A spiritual connection now. Naomi, Ruth, uh, Jonathan, David, the disciples. A spiritual connection like that is centered around the things of God. It's now God first. Like in my relationship with Natasha, let's just pretend we didn't know God and we're just doing our own thing in life. The, the bond that we have is still good because we're married. There's like an emotional bond there. It's a soul tie. Great, good. If we're non-Christian, that's fine because that's how God created it to be. But let me tell you this. We go life alone without God. We're charting life alone. The difference has been for us is we have Christ as center of our relationship. We inquire of Him. We talk to Him. We listen to His voice. We're guided by the Spirit. There's decisions that we will make according to what He wants for our lives. That's the difference. So therefore now our marriage is built on the solid rock. So we don't have to be headed for a divorce. We don't have to have uh, adultery or we don't have to have a separation like that because Christ is Lord of my life by choice Natasha Christ is Lord of her life by choice so we're building now our marriage not only soulish connections we're building it according to the promises and the word of God with Jesus Christ as number one Okay, so when adversity comes, when the enemy comes, the Bible talks about when the rain and the turbulence and the thunder, adversary comes and the storms come, our house remains. Now, maybe our geographical house, our literal house might be blown over, huff and a puff. But no, but we're talking about us together remain because we're centered around Him. You got me now. Very important to put Christ as Lord of your relationship. It doesn't mean you've got perfect character. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be doing everything, but we're pushing on towards the high core. We're making decisions every day, deliberate choices and decisions that are Christ-like because a good decision will always create a great outcome. So let's just move on a little bit more. Uh, okay, so now we've, now we've got, okay, so now we've got this. It's important when a relationship is built on the Spirit what it does, when you build your relationship on the things of God, it gives you immediately access to the things of God. That's important. So when we build our relationship around Jesus Christ, immediately gives us access to spiritual blessing because we've centered it around Him and He unlocks it over the marriage. There is, however, something very different. And it's found in the book of James. It's a scripture that I know well. It's found in James 3, 5. It says, the wisdom of this world is number one, first of all, earthly, number one, process. Then it becomes soulish, or another translation says sensual, and then the third one there, it becomes demonic. Okay, so there's a process. Remember, the way of the wise winds upwards. Remember, we're moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. This is the way of the wisdom of the world. It starts off earthly with rationale, good ideas and good intentions, but it's not in Christ. 
The next level, it drops into the soulish, into the sensual level. And then it gets into the demonic. When you build a relationship with somebody else and it's of the flesh, it means it's centered around you and him and or you and her, and it's all about natural things all the time. It's not a spiritual relationship. And what ends up happening, the natural idea, you have a progress, it can get into the things of the flesh. Manipulation, seduction, intimidation, false expectations, guilt, all these things because it's related around that. Now I've got a mate of mine that's not in this country and I'll ring him. And, uh, and I ring him and he rings me, but there's no expectation. It's not like I will ring you every Friday and I'm thinking, why didn't he ring me? Doesn't he like me anymore? Or I don't like him anymore. You know what I mean? We get like that. Uh, a soulish relationship is this way. When my parents, they, uh, Donald and Angela Cargo, who are no longer with us, uh, they expect Natasha and I to go to their family every single Friday night. That's it. And if we don't do it, it's hell to pay. That's called a soulish relationship. Oh, they're my relatives. It's a soulish relationship. It doesn't matter whether they're relatives or not. We know that and we respect that and we honor that. We're talking about the nature and what makes that up now. So we understand bloodlines is irrelevant for the illustration. What it is, we're now talking about what the mechanism of that relationship. Uh, the expectation of us to go around on a Sunday afternoon after church, we must be there. And the roast meat is not going to be out until we're there. And we're late. Where were you? That's an expectation. That's kind of intimidating. That, that, but it's, it happens in different cultures around the world. And it's like, listen, when a husband and a wife, when Jonathan and Natasha got married, I left, I left Donald and Angela. Do you know what I did? I told you. I res we left them behind. Now, I respect them and love them and listen to their counsel because they are gray-haired. The Bible says we must do that. They're my parents. But at, but at the end of the day now, I'm my own man and God, and I need to be making decisions that it's right for Natasha and I. Very important now. So the Bible says we leave and we cleave means we stick like glue. In other words, my mother Angela doesn't put her little fingers in my relationship and try to meddle with all that we're doing. Meddle with our finances. I'll throw it out there. Meddle with land issues or, or meddle with the lawyer or ring auntie to influence me or get somebody else on the side to have a bit of a That's all manipulation. It's of the flesh. Wouldn't it be great to have godly relationships? I would. I'll tell you what. This is how heaven is going to be. We're going to know one another after the Spirit expectations are gone. In other words, if I don't do the dishes on a Thursday night, Natasha doesn't give me the, shoulder, the cold shoulder. I go to hug her at nighttime and there's a great wall of China. She's offended with me because Thursday was my night. Heaven's not going to be so much like that. We're going to love, we're all going to sing Kumbaya on a cloud night. No. But it's, it's going to be, we're going to be together in this thing. It's different. We'll have responsibilities and all sorts. But the guilt is gone. Now, demon spirits, I don't know if you know this, can be transferred from one relationship to another. They can be. If personalities can twist together and become like each other, you've, you've seen those people that look like each other, be married for 50 years, they sound like each other, they talk like each other, they walk like each other. You know what I mean now? Okay, this is what happens with personalities. They become to mesh like each other. Uh, demonic entities can actually pass and pass through. Now, Proverbs 22, 24, 25, it says, Make no friends with an angry man. 
because you will learn his ways. What happened there? You'll learn his ways. It also says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says bad company corrupts good morals. So now we're saying if you're in a relationship, a tight relationship with somebody that's angry, guess what? The impartation of anger, you'll find yourself getting a bit edgy and a little bit, you'll take, you'll take it on. Because remember, every relationship takes you on a journey. We don't think about these things. We just think we're a whole lot of spuds in a pot. We're so interconnected spiritually and emotionally. It's incredible. In a bad company, a Bible talks on the better side. Uh, it says, you walk with the wise, you'll be wise. But if you walk with the fool, you'll be a fool. Proverbs. In uh, Proverbs 27, 7, it says, iron sharpens the iron. So a man, uh, a good man, sharpens the countenance of another person. Let's go back into 2 Corinthians. Paul's talking about the soul ties. He said, 2 Corinthians 1.20, For you suffer it if a man brings you into bondage. If a man, if a man brings you into bondage, there's a binding. And a binding, understand, this a binding means to be held captive. Emotionally held captive. Mentally held captive. Intellectually held captive. Uh, and then it says this in uh, 2 Peter 19.2, it says, While they promised them liberty... They themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by. In other words, if this person overcomes the personality of that person through manipulation, through guilt, through coercion, the Bible says this, that person is brought into a binding, brought into a bondage. There are some of us girls that we know how to work our husbands on. We bind them. There are some men that intimidate, manipulate, coerce, or even seduce and bring down the wives. It was never meant to be that way. It was, we have relatives. I'll, I'll just chuck out this thing here a little bit because I think it'll, it might help us. Um, okay, so you've got Samson. Samson hung out with Delilah. Delilah is a, an Eastern girl, never to marry her, but the Bible says in Judges there, 16, that she would come every day to seduce him. It was a soul tie. He was never supposed to go out with her. There are people that are not sitting in here this morning. I could name their names. They're in a relationship that's forbidden biblically. Seriously, they should not be in that relationship and it's gonna result, let me tell you this, mark my words. I've had 40 years plus in this business and I've seen it time after time after time after time. I've sat, I've counseled, I've tried to convince, I've tried to be compelling, I've come in love, I want to come with grace and be forgiving and all sorts of stuff. It's not a problem, I don't take it personally, but there's people that have gone off after the flesh in a wrong relationship and it's brought them into bondage. And it's always, the Bible says, remember, to be carnally minded as death, but to be spiritually minded as life and peace. You chart the way this way, it seems right at the time, but it ends in death. That's the problem. But there's this relationship. The Bible says you chart it this way and it ends in life. That's why we must have Christ as our Lord and Savior. Absolutely important in our decisions, these things. Okay, we're looking at Ahab and Jezebel. The Bible says very clearly in 1 Kings 21, 25, no one sold himself, sold I, to do evil like he did because the Bible says he was enticed, one translation says. The other one seduced. Another one says, the other one says, inspired by his wife Jezebel. She put him up to it. He never confronted her. And then you have Solomon, the Bible says, who was soul tied, soul tied in 1 Kings 11 13. He was soul tied to over a thousand women, concubines. That's a lot of girls. 
A thousand women. Imagine a thousand women just trucked up all up there. A thousand of them. That's who his girls were, man. That's like a, a big harem, you know what I mean? But he was still, he had a lust problem, I thought. Don't you agree? <laughs> Determine which is which. There is nothing wrong, okay? Drawing in a conclusion, nothing wrong with having a normal relationship, natural relationship. Talk about business, fishing, academics, politics, great. Don't camp there in the relationship. Find spiritual relationships that edify you, that lift you up, that help you help your destiny. So any relationship, and let me just chuck this and I'll be totally ruthlessly honest here. Any relationship you have, a business relationship, a co-worker, and you get together and you're maligning, you're gossiping, or you're running down somebody on this island is a soulish relationship. It's not spiritual relationship at all. It can't be. Because if it's a spiritual relationship, it will have the fruit of the Spirit in it. It will make the person in Christ. It'll bring them closer in Christ. And it's a real, you, I'm telling you, you go back into the corporate world here or you go into a company and there, you have some meetings of people just maligning people. I had a, a mate of mine uh, on the island, a non-Christian guy, and he said, oh, I hate it when I go home and the, the, the so-and-so get together. He said, we're just running, they're just running down people around the island all over the place. And that's in New Zealand, that's all over the world. We do that. But it's soulish relationships. What God wants to do is have relationships built by the Spirit. My loyalty is for Jesus Christ. I build my relationship with my wife around Christ. Very important. Number one, we can talk about natural things, normal things, but essentially my relationship is established on Christ. I have other relationships, non-Christian friends and that, and we talk about normal things. We talk about carvings. We talk about other stuff. Sometimes we talk about God. I want to bring God into the conversation, and often I do. Nothing wrong with that. But if those relationships drag my spirit down, I give it limited time. Very important, because every relationship you have takes you on a journey. And unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes we get connected down. Now, we've got to win a world. We've got to win people to Christ. So how on earth do we do that? If the world is broken and that's all I want to talk about, then what you do, you ask God's measure for grace and you go in there with the power of Christ. So you can listen, but don't take on. Don't take on their offense. You can listen and then you begin to say, hey, look, you know, I think there's a better way. Have you ever considered this? Would you ever give them the benefit of the doubt? And what you're doing is gradually introducing biblical principles into the relationship. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.